Today we're transitioning into a new series. And I'm getting a little light in there. So uh, we're transitioning into a new series called Endurance Brings Away. We thought it was a good idea to talk a little bit about what we're enduring through as part of, well, part of what we're going through in life, right? We have all these new ways of living, we have new normal, we have new protocol, we have all this stuff, and it feels, I mean, sometimes we can get it. Well, we know that there's a prize for everyone who endures. In fact, we also know that faith has many components. Our faith life, but our, our, our position in faith has many undergirding components. And probably the largest is the idea of patience or endurance. I said, well, I don't like the term, I like the term patience. I don't like anything about being patient. I don't like being tested to prove my patience. Nothing about patience is a good quality in my life. It hasn't been for many years. And God has helped me along so many different ways. We'll get into some of that today, but admitting being patient is not something that I want to hear or talk about or read about or even find out that it's God's plan for us to be patient, to endure. But patience really is the ability to endure. When we talk about patience in the context of Scripture, we're talking about the idea that it's the ability to endure under pressure without wavering. We're going to find that even further as we go through today. But it's the ability, patience, the ability to endure under pressure without wavering. But we know that pressure is what causes us to waver. Pressure is what causes us to wonder and falter. When, when these wavering moments come, when we wonder if we can get through to the next, like, get through our current battle and get through to the next issue that, that maybe the next good spot that God has for us, when we're being pushed and, and we're being pressed down on at those times, Many times say it's complete trust in God. It's total and complete trust in who He is. But there's moments when we start, we start getting moved, we start getting pushed. In fact, we know what pressure is like. Most of us have a pretty good idea of what the pressure of life can bring. With my kids, even the little kids that were behind, all I have to do is apply a little pressure, and we'll just focus on their mood. And if the dad has a dad mood, or has one of the dad moods, he's pointer fingers that are like steel. So when I need to get those little children to move, those little brothers to move, over the side, little pressure as they move over, right? A lot of times life does that to us. We're focused on one thing, but something happens, something sharp happens, and it pushes on us, and it causes us to move. And in the moment that we get our eyes off focus, the moment that we start to move a little bit out of the line that we are walking, a little bit away from the path that we're on, many of us at times start to doubt, we start to question. Many times we even start to fear what's going to happen. I can see in my own kids, they, they don't know the context, or they've done something wrong, and I might, I might not fully be, fully be aware, excuse me, and I go to poke them in the side, oh, oh, straight up, oh, there they go, boom. And life happens to us in that same way, where sometimes we get a little nudge in the side, and we're not focused and as intent as we need to be. We're not enduring through the process, and we feel ourselves moving to one side or the other, and we start to question, we start to wonder, we start to even fear. James, the book of James, talks a lot about endurance. Now, let me help you. We're going to get to James here, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and come through James. Or if you have your, your app on your phone, go ahead and select the book of James. But James is like the quintessential book for patience. It's a book I wish that God would throw out. I wish those that canonized scripture that would have quoted and said, no, James wouldn't like your message. It's filled with too much patience. We're going to get rid of it. But unfortunately, they didn't do that. They left James in patience 
what most of us think it is. It's this really the, the difficult idea that most of us are trying to wrap our heads around. Most of us have an idea of patience is about inactivity. If I'm going to be patient, I'm going to just stand my feet in the ground and not be moved. And there's a part of patience that has to do with that. But most of what we read about in the scriptures in regard to patience is an actual process. You can't just be patient and sitting around and doing nothing. The scripture is very clear. The person who wavers lacks the capacity to take hold of what they're believing for in faith. It's very crystal clear. If you're wondering where I'm getting this from, turn to James chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. We'll get there in just a second. I'm going to read out of the message translation. And because it's probably my favorite translation regarding the scripture, but I'm going to read out of the message translation. Some of you are going to have different versions. But most of us, I think, when we, we, we get on the topic of patience, you know, we, we say, okay, God, I'm going to have patience, I'm going to have faith, I'm going to endure to the end, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But we don't realize how we converse with God. We don't realize what our prayer life is actually telling ourselves about our relationship with God and telling God about our relationship with Him. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to James 1, verse 6. We'll start there. If you don't know what you're doing, I love how it starts out in the message translation. If you don't have a clue to what's going on, most of us at times like this, during the pandemic, we don't know what to do. Pray to the Father. I love how James clarifies this. He loves help. You will give him help, and you won't be condescending to when you ask for it. I think most of us in the bed probably and go to bed, God, please, finally help me. I'm sorry, I messed up, I screwed up. Jesus, just to send me away, please help me. James against the idea. When you don't know what to do, when you're out of luck, go to the Father. When you need to redirect your life and find out where the course of life is bringing you, it's okay if you've gone off course a little bit. It's okay that maybe endurance is taking down in a moment, but get to that place where you can look to the Father and ask for help. Hey, guys, the back of life, can we bring up the process to the next level? Sorry about that. Says, what the condescended for when you ask? And then he moves on and says, just ask boldly, believe this, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind with waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Address, sing, keep it all your options open. I think too many of us sometimes when we pray, we keep our options open, right? Well, God, if you do this one for me, it would be great, but I understand your ways are above my ways, you're mysterious, so God, maybe you'll do this. And God, maybe, maybe if, if, you're, if you're feeling froggy, maybe you'll help me in, in this area. We just keep all of our options open and hope that whatever way the wind and waves of life push us, that God will bless it. That'll work out. James is pushing so hard against that idea. No, know your focus. Endure through the process. Know exactly the prayer, the call, the mission that you're going towards. James later on in, in, uh, in chapter 4 and verse 11, he says it like this. We count those blessed who endure. So those of us who build up patience, those of us who come to God in the right attitude, right heart, we are blessed that have endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job. And he throws the Bible character out of And you see the outcome of the Lord's feelings that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Well, James, you don't know the story of these girls that keep losing for a long. Sometimes we ask ourselves, 
who is Job. Well, Job was a very wealthy man. He was living in a land called Eden. A large family, very large family. He had kids, sons, and daughters, and extended families that lived underneath his tents. And he extended flocks, large groupings of land that he would manage that flock through. He is the original hashtag blessed. You might think you came up with that on Instagram, but who do was hashtag blessed far, far before we ever thought about it. In fact, there's a different hashtag that kind of surrounded his name. He was hashtag upright. So he was hashtag blessed, and he was hashtag upright. upright. So he was always trying to do everything he could to steer his family and himself away from evil. In fact, when you read that in his book, Job chapter 1 and verse 1, he was doing everything he could to steer his family away from evil. One day, Satan comes to God in God's heavenly throne room, and there's this concept in, in Scripture, especially the Hebrew Scriptures, this idea of the Benelokim or the God Council, where God has conversations even with his adversary, the devil. The devil finds himself in God's council room, and God is bragging about his servant, Job. Did you see my servant, Job, in Washington? He's got his stuff together. Would you like us to be the comments that God makes about you? Satan looks at God and says, I bet you if you quit this hashtag blessed and did lie so much, you'd do it for And this cosmic battle happens between God and the devil. And in this cosmic battle, God and the devil make an agreement. Whatever happens to Joe, you can't take his life, but whatever happens to him, I guarantee you, he'll continue to serve and to love him. He'll continue to bless my holy name. That's God's life. The devil's side, the moment, the moment a little bit goes wrong, the moment a little something messes up, the curse. And we read the story of Job. Job had in his mind something that he feared. In fact, when the plague hit his life and life started to go the wrong way, the Bible says this, that what Job feared the most had come upon him. So the back of his mind, even though he was focused, on the outside, even though he looked like he had it all together, even though the hashtag blood was surrounding his life, Job had internal thoughts. Job had internal conversations. The thing he did the most had come upon him. But he wasn't enjoying, he wasn't focused, he wasn't pursuing with his whole heart the things of God. He was, he was making a skeleton on the surface. What he feared the most stuck into his life. The devil was allowed, I guess if you want to say this, by us, of a little bit of momentum in Job's life. Things started to go bad. He started to lose flocks, and he started to lose loved ones, and his house burned down to the ground, and he's literally sitting in his past, and he has broken clay pots and scratching at the bottom of his skin, and his wife looks at him and says, Why don't you put God back? His friend said, Job, what did you do to deserve this from God? And Joe is about to do what you and I would say. He's about to go off the deep end and possibly push God. The devil would win the whole argument. The devil would win this whole experiment. Yet we see in this moment where Job is just about to falter. We see God show up in a swirling and a mighty wind. But God speaks through the wind and through the storm and says, Where were you? Where were you? Where were you when I breathed life into Adam? Where were you when you reached out the history of the world? And Job sitting there left speechless. He said, I know I've come to my wits, but I've got to persevere. I can't even do it. At the end of this 
story, everything that was taken from Job was taken back again and multiplied many times over. So he sat in an ashes and he spit and boiled off of his body with broken clay pots. In that moment, he pushed, he pushed through with conversation with God. He pushed through and persevered. And that's why James said, look how blessed this man is. And God knows how to look the mess Don't ever expect the God of the universe to mess with you by throwing his hand into 
in your life in some catastrophic way. Now, I worked through this myself. I'm two stars on the back of one star on my own, where I had torn off the tricep tendon on both my arms working out. And so the dumbest common thing when I was immobilized was in my wrist and my shoulder, I couldn't move my arms. I had a three-degree bend in this arm because the doctor allowed my wife to abstain from what I could do. She was so happy. But being laid off like that, I heard some of the dumbest comments about what I had gone through. The number one dumb thing I heard people say was, What is God teaching you? You know, teaching me? And listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit when God was speaking months and years prior. What you don't know about the background of that story is, I had tendonitis in my elbow. So bad. It would burn so much to wake me up at night. And rather than skip a few months at the gym, this dummy said, I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to sacrifice my body on the altar of iron because I'm going to be stuck in hell. I was speaking the whole time, stop doing this. The Holy Spirit was whispering in my heart. You know that burning feeling you feel in your elbow? That's not good. You can't break out. I'm like, whatever. I'm fine. I can do this. I know what I'm doing. You know what the problem was? Stupidity overran the voice of the Holy Spirit. Most of us look up to God and go, God, why are you testing me? Why are you trying me? Because you're stupid and it's not him. We forget how often God speaks to us before we ever ask him to do something that's outside of this life. Even before Paul, yes, transpired in the life of Job. So I was wondering, thought, oh, God, here's a passion my head. His life doesn't go mad. I don't know what I'm going to do. And God knew it. And he was going to keep him. But Job trusted. The Bible even says about Job's life that he may offer every moment, every morning, just in case one of his kids is sick. There's nothing like religious activity that moves to our hearts that we don't really believe in the God that we serve. If you're just doing church to ward off the God in heaven, you don't know Jesus. If you're just giving politics, if you're just serving to ward off what could happen if God intervened in your life in a negative way, you don't know the God that we claim to serve. But no one said when you were tempted, tempted pride, God being tempted, tested pride of God, for God cannot be tempted. Or tried by evil, and he himself does not tempt and try anyone. That settles the argument. Yet, most people, the moment something negative happens in their life, they'll run and give God and we'll give all the credit and to the devil and pray to God. We forget we have an adversary that we fight against. Pressure and adversity are what happens as we challenge and move through life. No one goes through life without pressure and adversity. I wish it were different. When I was younger, I think you said about this. It's supposed to be fun. Living for Jesus is supposed to be great. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit. Let's go. Let's have a good time. Unfortunately, there's reality stories. And the older I get, the more I realize we do have an adversary against us. The older I get, the more I realize that free will is not worth more than we would like to admit. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes, still the Open the direction that God has for us, and in doing so, we end up doing something that knocks ourselves off the path that God has for us. And rather than write ourselves, you know, God, what do you think you're doing? That's not in the words. In doing so, 
that God knows we must have faith. We need to understand that in these moments, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. Take a part of every time I see you Jesus endured the cross so 
the joy that was set before him, because he endured, we can endure. Because he endured, we can endure. Let no one say that he's tempted, he's being tempted of God. Endurance is the ability to stand under pressure without wavering in our belief in Christ. I showed you on the first, the opening of this message, that endurance is the ability to stand under pressure without wavering. That's true. But if you take off those last few words, in our belief in Christ, then we don't have a biblical perspective of what it is to endure. Endurance is the ability to stand under the weight of the pressure to move through the obstacle, to move through the the punishment that you're in in life that isn't the best, isn't perfect. All the way learn that our belief in Jesus, that as we move through, that Jesus is with us the whole time. That as we move through, that God is with us the whole time. That as we move through, God is strengthening us. He's there for us. He's on our side the whole time. Not doubting what his intentions are. God, I don't know what you're doing to me. You're doing nothing. Life happens. Maybe it's too big in someone's life. Maybe it was just the the free will influence of another person. You can't control their decisions, and because you can't control the decisions, don't expect you. You're going through something difficult. Those things happen. But understand, even if you walk through them, endure, not wavering, and I believe that who Jesus is. Jesus says, like words, that patience has its perfect word. James doesn't say, let trials have their words. James Bower says, listen, look at trials you're going through, the hardship you're going through, it's going to have a perfect work in you, it's going to mature you and grow you and develop you. No, because it's not the struggle. The struggle might be real, but the answer is more real. Jesus is the answer to any one of life's struggles or issues. It's not the hardship that perfects you. We've got this self-help ideology in church where pressure on the right item brings about diamonds. You know, that's really good when you're talking to a bunch of people that don't believe in Jesus. But the pressure was already applied on Christ. The diamond that we search after is already Jesus. All we have to do is learn and figure out how to get him. And whatever we're enduring, he's already paid the cost for. The hardness of the situation has already been encapsulated in the person of Jesus. He endured the cross so that he might find the joy of the end point. That you and I are reconciled back to him. And in reconciling back to him, we live in Christ Jesus. We don't have to worry about how hard life is going to get Come to Christ. We don't have to worry about the struggle because the struggle is really real that we might have faith from time to time and in Christ Jesus. Endurance is a work that Christ magnifies in our hearts. We see all that Jesus endured, and we know that because he went through it, so stand we. We know that because he went through it, he paved the way. He taught the path. We're all wandering through a jungle that's so overgrown, we can't see the course that God sent for us. No, we know that if we focus, if we endure, if we are patient in him, if we set our faith on the things that he called us to, that we can go through anything. Let me help you out. If you have a place in life where financially you're just not there, you're, you're, you're wondering, struggling, how you're going to get where you need to be just to make sure we can endure the promises of God, what He called you to knowing that in the end there's a joy set before you. Endure to this time. If your physically hurt, if your body breaks, endure. Doesn't mean God is healing. Doesn't mean God is healing in the moment. Endure. 
joy that's traveled for you, if you're in a broken relationship and you don't understand how it's all going to work out, endure, focus, endure, push through, because on the other side is joy. I think too many of us are going to give up in the middle of struggle. We give up in the middle of everything. We get all focused in the middle when life is hard and wide. Because we want to eat, so we come back out. Okay, God didn't work. I love you. I'll pray to you on Sunday morning, but I know that if I ever come up against this issue again, I can't lean on you, so I'll just walk my own way. I don't know how to focus in court. Go through it. Run through it. Push through it. And we went to some really, I would say, full gospel style churches when we were younger. And one of the songs that they used to sing repeatedly over and over, you hear more in black churches than even in white evangelical churches. If you can tell, don't stop. Tell, go on through. You know, it's true that you can have that mantra that whatever we pass in this life, that we're not going to stop and park at the pity party for where we're at. We're going to push through to the other side. That no matter where we find ourselves, we might catch hell, but we're not going to live there. We're going to get to the place of God's asphalt where heaven's doors are open up and all the blessings of God fall on us. Even though life has moments that are difficult, we're not going to sit there. Jesus didn't stand the cross. For our sins, not resurrected. How many of us have thought this dumb theological concept that Jesus, the cross, is what perfected Jesus? The Bible says that he endured the cross so that he might receive the joy that was set for him, but there are too many people that think Jesus went to the cross finally perfect him so that he can win back all of humanity. Wrong thinking. The cross didn't do anything for the character and nature of Jesus. He was perfect before, he was perfect during, he was perfect after. He literally needed to use the device of the devil that was meant to squash his voice to win the victory so that all of hell and all of humanity could know that there's nothing you can impose against our great God that he won't use as a tool to turn around to his benefit. He was perfect the moment he went to the cross. He was perfect after the cross. We have come to a place in our lives at times where we finally think that what we're pushing through will be a moment of purification. Wrong thinking. The purification happens because we are in Christ and He was perfect the whole time. We don't have to wonder and worry about somehow we're going to finally mature up to this status. You're going to mature up. You're going to grow. You're going to develop. As you endure. As you endure through all things, yes. There's a maturity factor, but it's not because of the hardship. It's because your trust is focusing more and more on Jesus. The moment that hardship comes up, you couldn't do this. I promise Jesus, that's it. I promise you, I'll lean on you. But in that moment when the hardship hits, we should say, God, I'm letting everything else go, God, I'm focusing on you. And our problems would seem to disappear so much faster. In my own life, the moment the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know that burning in your elbow? Stop it. If I listened, I wouldn't have had two surgeries. But most of us come to our place and we think we've been better than God does. Because the Holy Spirit is still soft. We want to shout and set a mouth on fire in order for us to listen. He said, you've got to come in with me, know my voice, know in whom I have belief, know my voice, know the character of God, so that when he speaks, you're quick to move, so that when he speaks, you're quick to do, so that when he speaks, you're quick to avoid trouble. The reason we endure, the reason we're supposed to endure, even through hardships that at times like 
brings on us many times is because we have a focus in us. We don't have those blinders on us. We are not focused on, on the promises and the nature and the character of Jesus. In words, it's all about standing under the weight of any difficulty that will come to our life. But standing under that weight because we know what Christ has already accomplished. Not because it's finally going to be the refiner's fire that fixes us. Oh, 